And I, again, welcome everybody to the Carolina Bible Group Bible Study Voice Room here on uh, this beautiful day, as Tony said. Uh, today we'll be study number 62 in our series uh, that we've entitled Angels and Giants, Fact or Fiction. And the date for today is uh, October the 9th, 2022. Um, as I said, we're, we're broadcasting from... Uh, beautiful McCormick, South Carolina, down here today, where we got uh, some campers set up, and um, where we got a little hunt cap here. The, the family was wanting to come down and just have a little time away. I think the the fire and all that goes with that has been as hard or harder on my family than it has uh, almost than it has Lori and I. Um, Drew and Stephanie have been over there. Drew tirelessly, him and Josh, pretty much every day. Uh, trying to pull stuff out and salvage what we can. Uh, note of good news, uh, or uh, I guess a note of closure this week. We had the fire investigator in uh, on Friday. And the fire investigator, after he did his fire investigation and reading the evidence, uh, concluded that it was not the drone batteries um, that set the, the house on fire or the chargers. It was the outlet um, in the living room on the far wall behind the couch, believe it or not. Uh, he showed me where there was a loose wire inside the outlet uh, that caused some arcing over time. And as the arcing continued, uh, the amount of buildup of oxidation um, increased, which made the arcing worse and the resistance higher. And as we, uh, as we know, high-resistance connections and, and electrical connections is a not good thing. And because they generate heat, well, over time it burned the insulation off the wire, uh, which in his opinion was the origin of the fire. So, uh, having said that, um, just wanted to update everybody so that uh, everybody kind of knew that we we did have closure on what was going on with fire and what caused it. Uh, my thankfulness comes in the fact that it didn't happen two hours later or three hours later when uh, Drew and I would have been down here in McCormick and Lori and possibly some of the grandkids would have been in the house by themselves. So uh, the Lord blesses uh, even in what doesn't seem like to be a blessing sometimes. Uh, the investigator described this outlet sort of as a ticking time bomb. Uh, and he said, you know, a really good thing to do that people don't do would be to replace these outlets in your homes, believe it or not, about every five to ten years. Yes, I'm glad too for us that it wasn't a uh, wasn't a Ryobi battery. So uh, yeah, loose loose screws on outlets is is uh, not not a good thing. So uh, kind of just kind of bear that in mind. And if I can say anything or prompt anybody uh, to get smoke detectors, uh, check your fire insurance uh, and any of these things. Uh, because when you get here to these kind of points, it's too late to go back and do any of that. And um, you have to do it as a preemptive thing. So just uh, throwing that out there for everybody so that you know. And uh, the fire investigator we had was absolutely amazing. He he took the time to explain what was going on. He showed me the pattern in the living room. And when he pointed it out with his flashlight, it was very easy to see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, most politicians have loose screws, Mel. That goes without saying. Uh, but anyway, uh, just wanted to give everybody an update on that. We have the property assessor, I believe. They, I don't know what his title is. 
the guy that comes in and looks at the damage and assesses whether it can be replaced, uh, I mean, whether it can be repaired or if it just has to be bulldozed and replaced. Uh, most everybody we've had in from ServPro right on down uh, to the fire investigator that's looked at it, they pretty much are thinking it's going to have to be bulldozed. So uh, we may be looking at a total loss here as far as the structure goes, but that too is yet to be determined. They're coming in on Monday, so Monday morning. So we'll we'll keep you guys up on what's going on. Uh, Mimi and I are doing well. We've um, got a room at the Hampton Inn in Seneca. Uh, up through the end of October, uh, I saw that our reservation had been upped uh, to ju from just a few days to the end of the month. So um, we'll uh, continue to stay there as we work through all this and try to work at the same time. And um, you folks just keep us in, our, in your prayers. Hard week for Mimi. We discovered uh, from DSS that whenever the structure that goes away with uh, that's associated with a daycare uh, as soon as the structure that the kids stayed in uh, was destroyed, then Lori lost her license immediately. So puts her out of work, and uh, we're working through that. We've already let the moms know, and that's what's killing her is the the struggle it puts on the parents that she had it, you know, that she was keeping the kids for. So um, just to kind of give everybody an update on everything and where we were, we thoroughly. Uh, appreciate the prayers, the calls, the encouragement. Uh, talking to the saints is a very comforting thing to do in these times. And uh, just knowing that you guys are there and knowing that you guys are praying for us um, keeps us in the in the fight. And so we uh, we thoroughly we're just thankful beyond thankful uh, for all you guys do by way of prayers and calls and donations i mean it's just the outpouring has been absolutely amazing and i have no idea what uh, what we would do without you Forrest. i still need to call you and pick your brain for how to navigate the waters going through here i have not forgot about that but we are uh, we're up against pretty busy days here lately uh, as it goes so um Again, thanks for all the thanks for all the help and all the prayers, and let's get rolling with our lesson today. Uh, lesson today, we're going to pick up with uh, tracking these angels, and I don't know if I've made these angels mad or <laughs> what's going on uh, by by studying them here. Uh, sometimes I wonder if the things that we study rile up the uh, rile up the other side to make them throw heavier darts at us to see if we'll stop. And that was my thought whenever I, I made up my mind that I'm not going to stop this study, that what I believe the Word of God has for us here is important enough to look at, and it's important enough to know I believe what's going on out there, and, and we'll keep the pressure on them um, in, not, uh, in not ceasing to bring uh, the Lord's Word. So turn with me again this morning, if you would, to Revelation chapter 12. I believe last week. Um, well, let me let me go through my thing here. Our purpose, as everybody knows, in this study, um, in this whole study series, is to investigate the angels and giants that are mentioned in Scripture, and by doing so, trying to alleviate some of the confusion that some Scripture verses seem to generate. 
and uh, I am not without my confusion as well. I get as I get as confused and curious when I read things as others do, and uh, I certainly don't have all the answers, especially in this book of symbolism, in this book that is not uh, very chronologically laid out, uh, in this book that uh, seems to jump around with details and events. Uh, so pray for me as we go through the revelation uh, that we um, we only say and, and bring that that would be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, last week we did continue looking at the angelic interactions with humans in the earth uh, that, are, that are noted in Revelation 12. Uh, I believe we stopped at verse 10. I went back and listened to the recording last week. We did it at Stephanie's and I believe we stopped at verse 10. So for today's study, I want to pick up there with, uh, we'll go back and read 10, <coughs> may read 8, 9, and 10, and pick up with verse uh, 11 today. But I want to keep moving on in our look at Revelation 12, and the angels and the other spirit beings that are contained within uh, Revelation 12 and the events that, that go along with that. So um, as I said, turn with me to Revelation 12. Uh, try to get through verse 17 today. We probably won't. Every time I plan to get all the way through this chapter, uh, it turns out that we, there's so much to talk about that we literally can't. So let's roll back. Um, let's roll back to verse 7. I want to read verse 7, and then we'll pick up with today's study at verse 11. Of course, 7, 8, 9, and 10 being uh, for review. Uh, and John reveals in verse 7, and there was war in heaven. And we've already referenced that that we read back in Daniel chapter 10. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels. So this is Satan and his angels against uh, Michael and his angels. And we've already noted that the angel that come and um and spoke to Daniel after his prayer when he was being um, when he was held in captivity the angel said he was withheld 21 days to get there uh because of the i believe it was the king of persia uh that he referred to there and oftentimes uh the angelic beings are referenced by uh some kingly title of one of the the evil nations or the the Babylonian nations on the earth at that time. Um, so there was war in heaven, verse 7, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. They did not prevail. Neither was there found, uh, was their place, their, the place that they were in. Their place was not any more found in heaven, as it says in verse 8. It says in 9, and the great dragon, which is Satan, uh, personified here, the great dragon was cast out. And this, I believe, uh, is a yet future event. This would have been, uh, I believe the first uh, casting out was from the literal third heaven of God, where the throne room of God is, the four beasts around the throne, the 24 elders around the throne. I believe originally Satan had access to all that. It says that in Ezekiel 28. That he was allowed to walk up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, uh, whatever, in the sides of the north, wherever that is, in the, in the superabounding heavens where God is. But there came a day when iniquity was found in him, 
and he was cast out of that realm into the second heaven on this side of the ice, which I believe to be the second heaven, and that's where he abides uh, even to this day. But here, it says in verse 8, uh, or rather in verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out. And I believe this is cast out of the second heaven, because this talks about him coming down to the earth. <clears throat> so let's read. The great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. So that limits him yet again. He had access to everything. He lost access to the third heaven. He's exiled to the second heaven. Then there comes a point someday when he is cast out even from the second heaven when they lose this war that is going on even as we speak, I believe, today. And he will be cast out into the earth and his angels will be cast out with him. So I believe Satan has angels with him that fight against Michael and his angels in the second heaven. And I also believe that Satan has angels that are here on the earth um, that interact with us on a daily basis. Now, you do not see them. Our warfare, as we are warned by Paul in Ephesians, uh, we don't war against flesh and blood. You think your war is with flesh and blood, but it is not. Our war is against principalities and powers and mites and dominions in, in the heavenly places. And the heavenly places is that area I think that we're, we're referring to here. And they have fiery, fiery javelins. They have fiery javelins that they can use against us. I don't know what these are. Uh, but it, it's a big curiosity to me to understand. And I believe they don't like it when we understand how they operate. I do not believe that these these spirit beings like it when we begin to understand through the knowledge of the scripture how they operate. That's why Satan is continually questioning the word of God, continually casting doubt about the word of God. And that's part of why I think at times that it's a possibility that they may just strike back and uh, make life uh, completely difficult for us to the point where we may lose the joy of our salvation and the joy of our faith. I believe that's what they long to do because if they can take away that joy, uh, a lot of times just the total loss of, of faith is not far behind the loss of joy. So that's what we got to guard against, saints. That's what we That's what we fight against. And it's what we're up against in this world, whether you see them or not. Because there are principalities and powers that are invisible that you cannot see. So, verse 9. Satan and his angels are cast down to the earth. And that's all of them, I believe. Uh, at this point, when they're all cast down, this is all of them. It's not a split army on two fronts. Anymore, I believe they're all cast down with him to the earth. And John says, and I heard in verse 10, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. 
for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And I believe that he literally could go to the edge of the ice and bring our bring us up before God and say, God, why do you bother? They are not worth the trouble. Why would you ever even be concerned for these creatures? Just let them die. Don't don't worry for them. Don't have any concern for them. And he accuses us and brings these railing accusations, I believe, to God the Father about us day and night, as um, the scripture says here. And then we'll pick up today with verse 11. And i got to admit, verse 11 kind of throws me for a loop because when it says, you see it says, and they overcame him. Now, the italics text in the Companion Bible, when you see it like it is, uh, if you have a CB, uh, the word they there is in italics. And they means, when it's shown in italics, that it was added by the translators. So, it literally should be left out if it's added by the translators. And it should read, and overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, so the question is, who overcame him? Was it the angels? If you roll back up to verse 7, where the... Because, see, this is... You're getting a lot of history synopsis here in just a few verses. It covers a lot of time down through the ages in just a few verses here in, in Revelation 12. So when it says they overcame him, are we? who are we talking about here? Are we talking about the angels of verse 7? Are we talking about the faithful remnant of the woman, those who uh, believed in Christ? Are we talking about the 144,000 overcomers? Who is it exactly that overcomes him after he gets to the earth, as it, it's talking about here? And uh, I'll leave that for you to decide. I haven't really decided yet, uh, because if you roll over to verse 17 in chapter 12, let's just go for a moment here to the last verse. Verse 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This could possibly refer to the 144,000 that I believe you can read uh, a lot of a lot more about in chapter 14. Yeah, chapter 14 of Revelation will tell you about the 144,000 and what God's going to do with them. So I'll leave that up in the air uh, for you to decide. I haven't completely decided yet. <clears throat> some some of you Bible scholars on here may have a lot better idea about this than me. Uh, but let's go ahead and read it, and we'll move on through the rest of the chapter. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and this last part of this verse is what really made me wonder, because I don't believe that an angel can be destroyed, uh, even by another angel. I believe they have to be uh, eliminated from existence by God himself. You may agree or disagree with that, uh, because they're immortal. They don't have mortal bodies as we have. They have... Um, in their original state as God created them, the angels, they don't die. They, they, they are, 
they're not subject to mortality as we humans. So it says, they overcame him with the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death, is how that should read. They loved not their life unto death. Well, when I saw that, and it's basically saying, they don't love their life more than dying for the cause, kind of like a good soldier would be, uh, is how I sort of interpret that verse kind of loosely there. You can agree or disagree with my interpretation. So it sort of led me to believe it was either the remnant of the woman or the 144,000 or both that we're talking here, talking about here at the end of verse 11, where it says they love not their life unto death, not the death, but death. Uh, the the again being added by the the translator there. So lots of interesting things going on here in Revelation chapter 12 and. Uh, I gotta admit is the more I get into this chapter, the more intrigued I become and the less I feel like I really have answers about it. So <laughs> again, pray for me in, uh, in what I'm bringing regarding these verses. And certainly my admonition is don't take my word for any of it. Check it out, study it for yourself, uh, and see as Paul said for the Bereans if these things be so. Um, because I'm certainly, uh, my, my interpretation of things could be uh, could certainly be fallible. So let's move on to verse 12. And there's a, there's a therefore here. And the therefore is, therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants, or woe to the earth. I think the inhabitants of is inserted in there as well and this is the third most terrible of the three woes here that we've been talking about incidentally so it says therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them woe to the earth and of the sea for the devil is come or gone down unto you having great wrath uh, knowing that he hath but a short time. So the scripture testifies that the great dragon, the Satan, he understands what God's plan is for him. I don't think it's a question here of whether Satan really understands what God's got in store for him. What his goal is, is to thwart that. His goal is to go against God's plan for him and be uh, like the Most High, as he says, which I believe he, he literally either wanted the position of the Son of God or he wanted the position of the Father himself because of his own brightness. So Satan's pride, Satan's arrogance, uh, Satan's self-confidence in himself will not allow him to get to the point to where he can put the true creator in his true position because he wants that position. So when he is cut down out of the, the second heaven and his domain is limited and he comes down into, as it says, comes down to the earth or go, goes down unto you on the earth, it says, <coughs> it says having great wrath. He is going to be ticked. He is going to be upset, and he is not going to be happy 
when he sees these things happening because he knows that according to the word of God, according to God himself speaking, that he has but a short time. He knows when this takes place that his time is almost up and he is going to crank up the intensity against the woman and against those that stand for God. And I think um, I think the following verses in Revelation will make a lot more of this a whole lot plainer as we go along. So let's read 13. So keep that in mind. Let's read it again one more time. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil is gone down unto you, having great wrath, because he hath but a short time, or knowing that he hath but a short time. And that that alone increases his anger and his intensity. So let's read verse 13. I think we get further information. Uh, John gives us a little more detail as we read and, and go on down through this discourse here uh, in verses 13 through 17. It says in 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, because, remember, his thinking is that this is never going to happen. His thinking is that I can beat God and stop these uh, laid out events, these charted events that God has said is going to take place in his word. Remember, this word is the bane of his existence. The first thing he ever uttered to Adam and Eve in the garden, remember, was, yea, hath God said. Remember? The first thing Satan did in the garden with Adam and Eve was to question God's word. Was to question the word of the Creator God. And yea, hath God said. Do you really believe that what God said is going to come to pass? Do you believe that He's the only one that, that can chart uh, where we go or how we end up? That was literally what I believe He was asking Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you really want to follow God? And so here it says, When the dragon saw, verse 13, Revelation 12, that he was cast under the earth, well, the event takes place. And he's not happy about it. So when he saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Why is that? Because the man-child was the key. The man-child was the one who took back dominion of creation, dominion of the earth, dominion of the second heaven, dominion of everything inside the bubble. Yep, that one human man who was God's perfect man and man's perfect God when he came and he paid the price that is required of the essence of the Creator God, then that made the difference. Satan then lost the dominion, and all things, including Satan, will be put under his feet at a time yet to come. And I totally agree, Forrest. 
His pride makes him think everybody see Forrest Note. His pride is so great, and I, I hope everybody understands this, that this is why Satan does everything that he does. It's why he throws the darts at us. It's why he fights the war with the angels in heaven. It's why he tries to exalt his throne above the throne of God, because his pride makes him think he can beat God's plan. That is a great statement, Forrest, and I appreciate you posting it. Tony, thanks for the arrow that points to it, because he is exactly wrong. God's word is yea, and it's amen. And we, we sometimes, I believe, are victims of this war that goes on. And I believe that God uses this war at times to test us, to see how strong our faith really is. Because believe me, there are there are forces out there that are always after you. Forces that are watching you, especially if you stand for this truth. And I believe that. I believe that it's a I believe that it is a daily struggle against things that we can't see to exist in this in on this planet and have the hope and the calling that we have within that within that same plan of God. It's the same plan that God has that for Satan's demise within that same plan is the exaltation of the church, the members of the church, the body of Christ. So when Satan looks at you, believer in the truth, when Satan looks at you, member of the body of Christ, you think he doesn't know what God has in store for you? You think he doesn't know that you are literally going to be part of the body of his son? Do you think he doesn't know that you are promised to get exactly that which he wants? Should it surprise you if he makes life difficult for you? Doesn't surprise me. And see, the more you understand about God's word, I believe, it makes these things pretty obvious. There are lots of us that have had adversities. I mean, look around within the body. It's um, it's almost daily something going on. Somebody uh, loses a loved one, or you know, we have these sicknesses that push us to the brink of death, or you know, we lose everything we have in a house fire. Do these, are these things all just coincidences, or do you believe that they're? Um, somehow a part of this battle. And God is watching how we handle our part of the battle to see how we fare in the test. Not, not as an unloving God by any means. But God loves and he tests and he chastises sometimes those that he loves. I believe that we can be put under the litmus paper test. I do, I do believe that. Just as God tested Israel over and over and over again, I believe He can test us. And you can disagree with that or disagree, or agree or disagree. Uh, but I believe that, uh, I believe that we can be tested. So when the dragon saw, verse 13 again, I get off on rabbit trails. When the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. And that, Pretty obviously is Israel. Back to Israel again. Verse uh, now look at look at verse fourteen here. 
And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. And there's a note in the companion Bible that uh, for verse 14 that uh, deals with the time and times and half a time uh, that you can look at Revelation 11.2 and Appendix 195 uh, regarding that. But the great eagle here is, um, there's a note that says compared to Deuteronomy 32.11 and 12. And if you look at those, that's uh, a comparison uh, to the father sheltering the the eagle, like an eagle spreads its wings and gathers its chicks together. Um, and that's the comparison they're making here to the two wings of the great eagle that shelter the nation of Israel, basically, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And again, the, the note on the time, the times and half a time, look at Revelation 11, 2, uh, regarding that. And uh, there's also a note in the Companion Bible to check out Appendix 195 um, regarding that, that space of time. That's the, the 40 and 2 months, uh, as is mentioned there in, in Revelation uh, 11, 2. So it says in verse 15, <clears throat> so the serpent fights back. You know him. He's he's not going to let up. So he fights back, and it says the serpent cast out of his mouth in verse 15, water as a flood after the woman. Now whether this is literal water or it's a flood of people, I, I'm not sure. I, I still, I pondered about that for a while this morning. I got to think on this one. He cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her, the woman, or Israel, to be carried away of the flood. So whatever it is that Satan cast out, the whole goal of it is just let's just wash them away. If we can wash away the seed of the woman, they'll, you know, these, um, these that came out of the woman, you know, I'll be, I'll have my vengeance. I'll have my revenge. I think it's what Satan's thinking here. So then in 16 it says, And the earth helped the woman. The earth helped the woman. You see that? Interesting how this works out. I believe the woman to be Israel, Nick, yes. Uh, because Israel is the one that brought forth the man-child out of the, uh, out of the uh, tribe of Judah. Israel is also the one, if you read Matthew 24, that flees into the wilderness. And Israel is the one that's helped of the, the great wings of the eagle. Uh, here, I believe, in uh, verse 14. So, yeah, my, my thought is that the woman is, is Israel. And uh, if you go back to verse 1, I believe, in chapter 12. Uh, appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, uh, possibly resembling uh, the nation of Israel, it says, in embryo. Um, yeah, it, yeah. If you, if you look at the woman, I think, as being Israel, going through chapter 12, it makes understanding what's going on, yes, uh, a whole lot easier. <clears throat> so verse 16, back to verse 16. And the earth helped the woman. 
And the earth opened her mouth. Her mouth. You see, the earth is referred to in the female vernacular here. It's kind of interesting. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So even the earth here, of course, under the direction of the Creator, I believe, even the earth here is being um, made to help the woman Israel, and it swallows up the flood. Whatever this flood may be here, either it could be literal water, or it most likely is representative of something else that's being thrown at Israel uh, to take them out, to wash them, to carry them away, to where they're, uh, to where they feel the wrath of the one who wants vengeance here, which is that old devil and Satan. So the earth opens up its mouth. I thought that was interesting. And helps the woman. And in verse 17, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, especially in light of every time Satan tries something, God steps in and helps. And he really gets angry. And I believe this dragon being wroth here in verse 17, he was wroth when he was cast down, uh, and when he saw that he was cast down, he persecuted the woman. And then as he tried to persecute the woman, God forced the earth even to help the woman. And I believe that just makes him matter matter. Because we know his pride. We know what he wants to accomplish. And we know that God is standing between him and his accomplishments at every corner. And he don't like it. So it says, the dragon, verse 17, was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant, look at this, with the remnant of her seed. You see that? Which keep the commandments of God. So we know a lot about whoever these people are. And I believe this this is the resurrected nation of Israel and the 144,000 that come from those tribes personally. But you can agree or disagree with that. So the the dragon gets very, very wroth with Israel. And he makes war with the remnant of her seed, I believe, which are, which are resurrected, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, as it says here in the... So there are qualifications for uh, who is going to be making war here with the dragon. And they are, um, as it says, he went to make war with the remnant of her seed. They had to be the remnant of the woman's seed. They had to be those that have kept the commandments of God and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I believe that if you read chapter 14, that you will see that the overcomers, the 144,000, meet all these qualifications. So, just a side note there. I'm not even sure if I agree with myself on that one yet or not. Uh, but I thought I would throw that in there for you folks as something to to consider as we went along here. Um, that brings us down to chapter 13. And we'll hold off there uh, for today. Oh, incidentally, I missed in, in verse 11. The word overcome there when it says, And they overcame him. So the Greek word there is nikaio, 
in the Greek, and that means to subdue or to conquer or to prevail. So at some point, those angels in the heavens, before they cast down, are conquered. And uh, not destroyed, I don't think, at this point, but definitely conquered or subdued before they're all cast down to the earth. So there's a there's a ton going on in Revelation 12. There is a lot here that needs very careful study because the things that we're talking about in these verses literally cover eons of time, thousands of years uh, from one point to the other. It literally covers all the way from the time that, that Satan was cast out all the way up to, um, you know, it, it goes even back to Daniel's day because I believe that war was going on in Daniel's day as we've seen in the scripture. But it goes all the way to the future events that are recorded here in the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation uh, when Satan is eliminated from the second heaven and cast down to the earth. So we'll stop there for today. I know I'm a little early, but uh, I had enough time almost to, to cover these verses in pretty good detail, but not quite enough time to do that and jump into um, the next uh, stage of where we're going to go in the book of Revelation here. So we'll stop there for today and um, give Barney a little prep time here before his time comes up at 12 o'clock. So bow with us if you would, and uh, we will close in prayer. Uh, again, thank you for um, thank you folks for just being there and for your, we covet your prayers daily. Uh, we are firm believers in the power of prayer. Uh, and if God is going to ever change his mind about anything, that goes on in the realm that we live in, it's definitely going to be through the power of prayer as Abraham, um, as Abraham parlayed with God for the, for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that time. I believe that, um, that fervent prayer, um, is heard of God and it's considered by God and never think that the prayers go and are unheard and just sometimes just because the answer is no doesn't mean that he didn't hear the prayer. So bow with us. Father, again, we are thankful for this day. We're so thankful for all these that have come this way, Father, and for their prayers and for their concern, and, Father, for their help and their love. Father, we are just so humbled by all the outpouring from the body of Christ today, Father, from our family and our friends and our neighbors, and, Lord, just all that, that have come and, and done this or that and Father helped in even the smallest way. Father, we're so thankful. And we thank you for Christ. We thank you for that man child that will take back dominion and that will conquer all the evil when all things are subdued and you are once again all and in all. And God, we look to that day. Uh, Father, we pray that you would use us to that end according to your plan and purpose and that you would use these lumps of clay to further your word and to stand for your word even when the going gets tough so that we may in that last evil day that we may be able to having done all God to stand thank you so much for this word for the faith of it and Father for the understanding of it that we have that drives our faith be with all those today, Father, according to your will, that need a touch from you. Bless and encourage 
And Father, comfort as only you can as we go through these things in this life. For it's in Christ's name today we do so humbly pray and for his sake. Amen.